a few weeks ago, we talked about putting the puzzle of what is God up to. God's doing something. We just haven't figured it out. And we talked about putting a puzzle, and first thing we do, we start, we start with borders. And the three borders that we used was justification, sanctification, glorification. And that's all elementary, and they all do different things. That's the easy part. God justifies us. He sets us right. God sanctifies us. He works on us. And number three, glorification. God just likes to show us out and show us off. And so uh, <clears throat> we do kind of the same thing. So now then, it's the hard part is filling in the pieces. Some of you have been raised in church. You understand about justification, sanctification, glorification. But it's the pieces on the inside. And I will tell you we, what we talked about last week. When you begin to put the pieces on the inside, please do not bring scissors and glue when you come. Because the Bible says, my ways are not your ways, and my thoughts are not your thoughts. So don't get them confused. So it, it would behoove you this morning as we kind of get into this little series, we talk about got milk, got milk. And so we began last week with this, this issue about got milk. And, and that's, that's our milk, the, the fruit of the cow. That's what we're going to talk about for the next seven or eight weeks as we put the pieces together. And it's so important. The last thing we left you last week was this. It's found in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 2. And it says this in the NIV Bible. Like newborn babies, crave the pure spiritual milk, so that by it you may grow up in your salvation. If he wasn't here last week, this is a weird verse. I thought, how can you grow up in your salvation? I thought when you're saved, you're saved. You are. But we gave you the discussion the lessons of Soteria versus Sozo. Soteria has everything to, to your eternal soul, but Sozo is mind, emotions, and, and, and your heart. These three things that we deal with here in this life. The newborn baby's desire, or it's a Greek word we found out last week, demanded. They demanded. When my son, my, I watched my two boys being born, and I'll tell you one thing. After they, they unwrapped him from his mom, and he come out, the first thing he says, hold up on the photos, I just want to eat. I'll sign autographs later. Forget the pictures. Forget that footprint. Just let me get to pure spiritual milk or pure milk. What's this? Like newborn babies. The analogy, he said, you should be like newborn babies that crave or demand. The King James says desire, and the true word is demand it. Babies demand milk. If you don't know that, you haven't raised children in a while. And they don't carry a watch, and they don't honor alarm clocks. When they want it, they want it, and they'll let you know about it whether it's 1 a.m. or 3 a.m., but I will tell you that the, when babies are newborn, they don't say, hey, mom and dad, when you kind of get a moment, if, if you'll bring me a bottle, I'll tell you, they will kick and scream until you do something. So we went through this last week. You should kick and scream demanding me to provide you spiritual milk when you come to this place. We talked about this last week. You should come in and say, I demand you, whether you've had a good day or a bad day, I need spiritual milk. Because without it, I cannot grow and develop into maturity the way God wants me to. There's people that are saved. They just need to grow up in their salvation. The churches are filled with immature, spoiled brats, even on television, mostly. So we wrote this last week. It is normal, it's natural, and it's necessary for believers to desire the Word of God so that you will grow up and develop into maturity. So it's normal, 
And it's natural and it's necessary for children or babies to demand the milk from their mother. And he says, just like you as newborn believers or believers, you should demand it from me. You should demand it. We appreciate good music, appreciate yellow walls, but you should demand the milk of the word of God because without it, you won't grow. Now, somebody said, I grew up in Assembly of God Church, and they got this messed up after I figured it out what they was talking about. They, they used the word, the analogy of the milk as immature and EPO. So that's not what he's saying. He said, as babies desire milk, you should desire the sincerity of the word of God. And, and in seven weeks, we're going to talk about the sincerity of the word of God. I'll get there. I'm getting older, but I'll get there. So last week, we talked about milk. And I told you, I won, I won second place. It doesn't matter in a, in a, in a dairy judging contest, FFA. And I just closed my eyes and said, God, I need some help. And that's what happens. But we learned some fun facts about the fruit of the cow. Number one, we learned last week that one cow can, can give up to 100 glasses of milk a day. One cow has the ability to hold up to 25 pounds. It's utterly amazing. Cows can give up to 3% more milk when they're listening to soft music. And we forgot this one last week, but I want to give it to you. When they surveyed small dairies, the cows with names give the 3 to 4 more percent milk if a farmer or a dairyman would call them by name. True. Some of you, now some of you, had, you ever had a parent or grandparent had cows, milk cows? All right. Did they have names? Yeah. Bessie, Bertha, Mongo, whatever you want to call them. And, and you call them by names. I mean, why is that? Well, they, they learned this process. If, if, if you'll call them by name and love them a little bit, they'll produce more. And, and so naming cows, is that really crazy? Well, the Bible says in Isaiah chapter 43 in the Message Bible, says something like this. But now in God's message, don't be afraid that I redeemed you and I called you by your name and your mind. Watch this. If, 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 if we think that naming cows is funny, the Bible says we are sheep of his pasture. He names his sheep. So when you're in over your head, I'll be there with you. And when you're in a rough waters, you will not go down. And when you're between a rock and a hard place, it won't be a dead end. The great thing about this, have you ever, I mean, I'm, I'm going to kind of get through this and then I'm going to deal with something else. And we're going to take our time on that in the next few weeks. I understand when you go to, like, um, restaurants. I understand, like, fast food, like Dairy Queen, or I don't go to McDonald's, but it's okay. But you, they'll give you a number. Number 9,400s, you know, versus them calling you by name. So you can go to Chick-fil-A, or you can go to Swallows, or somewhere, wherever you want to go, and they'll ask for a name. They'll ask for a name. They don't give you a number. They give you a name. And so they'll say, what's the name? Or who, whatever restaurant does that. It, it, it seems to be a little better when they call you by name versus a number. There's only one individual in the Bible that has a number, and I won't even talk about him. <laughs> then say his name, he just says his number. When will we ever understand that we're more than a number to God? We have a name. And when you finally figure out that you're just not a number going through the cow shoot of life, when you understand that God has redeemed you, he's called you and given you my name, and he's called you by name, you'll get more milk. I mean, you'll just start responding in, 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 because there's only two types of, 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 
of ministry in the church. One is evangelism and one is service. There's only two. There's only two, whether it be this or, or feeding the poor, whatever it may be. And when you understand the process that we're more than just a number, we've been called by God, we've been redeemed by God, and we have been given a name by God. And he calls us by name. So that means you're very important. It's like my children. I don't call the number one, number two, number three. Now, I used to call Jordan number three, but now I call him Mr. Producer back there. So, but it's just very important. My aunt, my mother's aunt had, had three dogs, and she named them one, two, and three. It's crazy. I don't understand that. But you're not a number. You're somebody. And God says you're somebody. And God said even when you get over your head, you won't be overwhelmed. Won't be overwhelmed. So, the question at hand is this, if we are being commanded as newborn babies to desire the sincere work of the Word, what happened to our desire in the sincere of scriptures of God's Word? What happened to us? Something happened to us. Now, if you can stay awake long enough, and I won't be here long, but all through the scripture it tells you there's only one thing that will cause your salvation to grow. And the word salvation doesn't mean more holier. It doesn't mean putting on a bun and lengthening the dress. That has nothing to do with anything. If you want to do that, that's up to you. It has nothing to do with makeup or no makeup. Uh, for, for you women that wear makeup, thank you. Because us men, we just deal with ugliness. So that's just the way it is. But, but the thing about it is, is that it has nothing to do with being more holy. Because, listen, whether you agree with it or don't agree with it, I'm right. When Jesus comes in your life, you're as holy as you're going to get on the inside because he's holy. But we have to work on the outside. So growing up in our salvation, it means our mind, our thought process, our heart, and our body, our emotions. So this is how we learn to grow up. We talked a little bit about this last week. So if the word of God is the only thing that can help us grow up in our salvation, then why did we quit desiring scriptures? And I told you last week, watch this. This is the, this is the trick of the enemy. Even on, on, on big settings, that music overrides the message. Because we know in Genesis that Lucifer was the choir director in heaven. And any time that music overrides the ministry of the word of God, you get in trouble. I'm not telling you music's not important because it's very important. But it doesn't override the Word of God because it is the Word of God in any form that will cause you to grow up in your salvation. And you'll be a better husband. I'll be a better father. I'll be a better pastor. I'll be a better whatever because the Word of God is in me. When I first started this and barely had the Word of God, I overreacted on a lot of things. I overreacted towards my wife, I overreacted towards my children, and I just overreacted. But through the years, as I got more of the Word of God in me, you know what it's done? It's rooted me and it's grounded me. See? And he'll do the same thing to you. What is it? It's the Word of God. He said that hope is the anchor for our soul. When my soul, and the word soul means mind, when my mind wants to run wild and go crazy, it's the hope and the confidence of God that anchors me down. Agreed? So that's what, soul doesn't mean like I'm going to heaven. Soul is my mind. Sukos. So, so if the word of God, how many has been saved for 25 years at least? 30, 40, 50, 50, okay, Danny Vork, nobody beats him. 
So what happens is, then why is it that we quit desiring Scripture? And there's many reasons. A lot. A lot. And if I can prove to you that knowing Scripture is the only thing that will cause you to grow up and, and, and be a better husband and father, because I'll tell you, watch this. We're not going to talk about it, but you, you get on the backside of that, and I'll tell you, you are a pathetic husband. You will do things you thought you would never do. Without getting the scripture basis in you, I'm telling you, you're going to be a zero of a mother and a wife. Really. Now, I'm not making this up because I'm not a motivational speaker. I do my very best to demotivate you. I'm just trying to insert a catheter of the word of God and he's going to sting like the devil, but he'll help you. So, and... So why is it that we quit denying, why don't we, we quit desiring Scripture and demanding Scripture? What's this? Because there's many reasons, but number one, we're already full. Some of you are full of yourself. So in the next few weeks, you may want to miss church, but I'm going to talk about some things, but it's, it's all good. So what is it along the way? I wrote this. Along the way, something or someone has spoiled our appetite. Someone or something has Spoiled our appetite. Have you ever ordered anything in your favorite dish and it came with stuff you didn't expect or order? Case in point. I told some of you this. Years ago, uh, Gayla bought me a, a can of planter's peanuts, sesame seed and peanuts. And I was eating them up a storm by the handful of watching a football game. Men eat peanuts different than women do. Women takes one at a time. Men, we just shove them in. Boy, I mean, about halfway through that can, I broke a tooth. I knew I broke a tooth. I started spitting peanuts out because I could feel the enamel. When you're raised with bad teeth like me, you understand breaking tooth. Pulled it out, it was a tooth, but it was a rat's tooth. Sent it off to the laboratory. Had the fang and four roots on it. They, they sent me a letter back. It's a rat's tooth. And I told the lady, I said, listen, I'm not so concerned about the tooth. I just want to know where the rest of the rat is. <laughs> Huge. We lived over on here by Washington. She bought me a case of Kudos bar. I loved them. Opened them up. Is this making you sick? I hope it does. And I opened up and, and, and broke it up, take a big old bite, and about 25 live worms come out of it. I wasn't expecting that. I didn't order that. I didn't order Kudos with chocolate chips and worms. I just ordered Kudos. You know what they did? I sent it to them. You know what they did? They sent me coupons for more kudos. I've never eaten a kudos since. Have you ever ordered something? Have you ever ordered something and you got more in your dish that you was expecting? And when you do, you lose your appetite for it. You go to the Chinese restaurant. You eat that thing. And the fortune cookie says, this wasn't chicken. I mean, I'm through. And it happened not too long ago. We went to Walgreens and mailed them through there. And, and I ordered and I bought a, a sack of peanut clusters. Just chocolate peanut clusters. It was their brand. About a year ago, a year and a half ago. And I opened them up while I was in the store. I was going to pay for them, but I was eating them. I knew Doug and, and, uh, and took a big old bite of the first one and pulled out a part of a blue rubber glove. So I go to Doug and I said, we have a problem here. He said, where'd you get that? I said, and, and, and half of it was still sticking in the caramel. So he asked that question. He said, you want another bag? I said, no, I don't want another bag. I might get a finger. Who knows? The idea is this, that 
what I'm trying to tell you is this. Once that happens, you're laughing at this, but once that happens, no bueno. The reason why that you used to come in here demanding spiritual milk, but now then, you don't need it anymore. You don't want it. Something or someone has lost, has lost your appetite. And I'm here to tell you, it is the only thing that will cause you to grow up in your salvation. And this church is a classic example that we used to be brimming full. And through the years, for whatever reason, whether people were filled up with themselves, self-centeredness, selfishness, whatever, self-mindedness, whatever, they got so full, they just didn't need the, the milk of the Word of God. And they've got this thing, and they don't have nothing. And I've watched their lives and their marriages and their homes and their whole world go right down the old commode. And I'm just begging you and pleading with you, stay to the unchanging word of God. It will help you in every situation that you have. So this happens from time to time, whether it be hair in your chili burger and all, we could just go on and on. Been there, done that. Melissa is, is, the, is the, the queen of finding hair in her food, really. So, but when you do that, and, and we went to Mexico one time. I'm not making fun or lie. Get down there and, I don't know, where we are deep in Mexico. I mean, like, deep. I don't understand Spanish. But we're down there, five hours down in there, and we get to a, a square, and, and they had some type of something going on. It's Sunday afternoon, and, and they had these pastry. Uh, it looked like, help me, Gayla, the, the glass... Uh, you know, where they put stuff in and people buy them a case, something. Huh? Yes, yeah. Big deal. A lot of people run around there and, and Gaylord goes, look at there. And there's roaches running all over these cinnamon rolls. So, I mean, we're looking at it and, 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 and the guy behind me said, are, are you buying? I said, no, I'm not buying nothing. And he said, and he's looking at the same thing I'm looking. He said, give me a dozen of those things. You know, I don't, you know, and he eats them. It's okay. They just wipe things off and go. But I will tell you, I lost my appetite on the way back from the airplane. We went to Costa Rica. On the back of the airplane. We said by a kid that's in, he's a, a foreign exchange student for somewhere, and, and he lives in America, been in Costa Rica, Nicaragua, down there. And we talked to him, young kid, about 18, 19, and he said, This is what I learned. He said, when you eat cereal, you pour milk on it, and you wait a little bit, and all the bugs come to the top. <coughs> he, wasn't, he wasn't complaining. Yeah, he came from Nicaragua. And so the milk floats them to the top, and then you scoop them and throw them out, and you eat the cereal. I, I haven't, God has not called me to move to Nicaragua, I'll tell you. So I just want to give you that little bit of information on a natural side, that there's things that can happen, whether somebody sneezes in your food, you find a toenail, you find a live cricket. We all have war stories, and you say, hey, I'm good. I'm full. You lost your appetite. Something's happened to some of you that you've lost your appetite for the Word of God. So here's, here's the deal here. Jesus here in this church, I'm not going to speak for anybody else, but here's the deal. I'm kind of like KFC. I just do one thing here. Jesus is the main course. So you can go to KFC and say, I'll take a burger and a fries and a chili dog, and they go, you can go down the street. We just do chicken. KFC stands for keep from cooking. We just do chicken. That's all we do. 
And I know through the years, some people come in here and they go, is this all you do, talk about Jesus? That's basically it. That's basically, well, what about Revelation, the four horses? Yeah, you probably go down the street about that. I understand that, but we just cook chicken here. We just cook chicken here. Jesus is the main course, and watch this. I'm not going to waste my spiritual stomach on salads. Silly salads. Listen, rabbits eat lettuce, and, and all they do is run in front of cars. Go figure that. I don't understand that. That's why some of you are absolutely crazy. All you do is eat lettuce. So Jesus is the main course. That's it. He's the fullness of the Godhead. He's Alpha and Omega. He's King of Kings and Lord. And so if he's all these things, why shouldn't that be all I want to talk about? That's all I want to talk about. And so when you come here, when you come here, um, that's all I want to serve you. But the Bible has something to say about things that will spoil your appetite for the sincere Word of God. Okay? So the Scripture is 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 2. Can we go back to that, please? 1 Peter 2, so it's like newborn babes, crave the spiritual milk that you may grow in salvation. But there's a problem. It's the verse before this. And here's the verse before it. You've got to rid yourself of all malice, deceit, hypocrisy, envy, slander of every kind. Now this is where it's going to get quiet for about 10 minutes, and I'm just going to cover one today. Somebody say hallelujah. The reason why that we are not desiring and demanding the Word of God is because these things has spoiled our appetite for God. It's kind of funny how God puts them in order, isn't it? Yes. See anybody here besides my wife been on a diet? Bless her heart. And so this is the, I mean, I, I'm a horrible, I'm horrible to live with. I can eat like a dump truck and don't gain much weight. And so what happens is, what happens is that when you go on a diet and you, and you make that, 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 that resolution that I'm going to go on this diet, and whether it be Metafast or Nutrisystem, and no boy told me one time he, he was going to lose 50 pounds and he bought this Nutrisystem. He did. He went to church here and he said, now I know how you can lose weight. He said, because it tastes horrible, so I just don't eat. That's what he said. But it's kind of important that in my house, I got a, a carb countertop. She buys it for me. And, it, it, and if you're ever low on blood sugar, just come to my house. I'll fix you up. But I have a countertop about six foot long and two foot wide, and it's, it's my countertop. And there's everything from cakes to cupcakes to cookies to candy bar. You name it, it's on there. But when she really gets serious about going on a diet, then she takes everything out and, and, and moves it so she won't be tempted. She's going to stay on a diet, which is, is, is fine. It's amazing that what happens is the reason why that we don't crave something that is healthy for us and good for us, and, and in the next few weeks we're going to talk about insulin is not the cure. Eating right is the cure. What happens is that these five things will cause you to lose your appetite for God's Word. And it is so important that God lists them for you. So the first, the first 
10 minutes, I talked about little life experiences for me, things that happened along the way. But the Bible lists five things, and he said, and when he put these two scriptures in order, he says that when you learn to throw, get rid of malice and all this stuff, then you'll go back to craving the Word of God. Demanding it. Expecting it. And when you get the Word of God back in you, then you'll start growing, developing. But if not, you'll, you'll make a mess of things. So, so let's look at one for the next. It is 10 to 11. We'll have some people start coming here pretty quick, so just laugh at them. I don't care. So he says, if, if, if you really want to crave the Word of God and just say, I do, please just say, I do. Yeah. Then you're going, you're going to clean out some cabinets, man. And if you're not growing spiritually through the Word of God, then in the next few weeks, maybe you have one of these things in your cabinet that in the middle of the night when nobody's looking, you're going to it. Oh, this will get quiet. I know it will, but it's okay. I'm a demotivational speaker. Curry has a word for explosive emotions. Key is a word for explosive emotions. It means to be troubled, to be disturbed, to be agitated, to be deranged, to be dangerous. Malice is dangerous. Malice is anger unbridled. The first thing he talks about is this. The reason why you're not hungry when you come to church for the Word of God. The reason why you may come in here and file in here and you may smile and, and you take naps during the sermons, but the reason why you are not demanding and expecting and craving the Word of God that is the only thing that can help you grow in, in your mind and your soul and your body is because you may have malice in the cabinets and the compartments of your heart hidden. Now, I'll tell you, this woman didn't have vodka bottles everywhere. It was hidden. Hidden good. But I guess the old man knew where's that. I don't know. Malice. Emotional explosions. I kind of wrote this. It's kind of like this. Mr. Nitro and Miss Glycerin had a baby named it Boomer. And what began in secrecy and silently in the back doors of, of the back part of the house crawled out the back door, made its way to the schoolhouse, wandered through the church house, landed in the courthouse, sat in the jailhouse. Malice. Uncontrolled anger. Uncontrolled outburst. Every one of us has a temptation to get angry. The Bible says be angry and sin not. Jesus was angry. The Bible says Jesus was angered. 
The reason why he was angered is because he stood before the temple and he was throwing all these things out. And this is what he was telling to the people that couldn't get to the temple. He said, this place used to be known as a place that could serve you spiritual food. And he said, I'm angry because now then they've cheapened it and they've lessened it. The church used to be a place where people could worship and they could honor God and love God and they could learn how to be better parents and better husbands and better wives. And now that we've cheapened this merchandise, it's just a social place. It's a gathering place. It's the thing to do. And that's why I get angry. But I will tell you that the reason why people are not packing to the churches today, they've lost their appetite because whether they may be full of themselves or they still may have malice in their heart towards something or someone. And they can't get over it. It's kind of like the old saying, Don, that, that, that when someone hurts me or offends me, that we bury the hatchet. Well, they bury the hatchet. They just leave the handle sticking up. Because if this ever happens again or that conversation ever happens again, I, was, I wrote a book on that. I, I was the living example of, of hate and malice in my life for the first 39 and a half years of our marriage. If I didn't make her cry the first years, years of my marriage, every day I didn't feel like I was doing my job. Hate and malice. Malice is something that we have got to deal with. First thing, Something or someone has said something to you, done something to you, it's happened to you, and you've lost your appetite for the Word of God. You may say to yourself, well, they're just a bunch of hypocrites at Calvary Christian Fellowship. Well, we are, but come on, there's room for one more. But this is what I say to you. If things have happened to you and someone's done something to you, watch this. By hanging on to it and keeping it handy, you're only hurting yourself. And you're going to blow up. And I'll tell you, you can blow up, and, but all it's going to do, the Bible uses the word of wrath and anger. Paul uses in Ephesians. Anger is implosion. Wrath is explosion. The same amount of dynamite. Wrath means that I, I devastate everybody around me with a stick of dynamite, but anger means it's the same amount of dynamite, but I don't show it on the outside I've just destroyed myself on the inside. So what happens is, what we have to do as the body of Christ is this, if we really and truly want to develop and desire our craving for the Word of God is this, is that we just have to be sincere and honest and say this, has somebody said something, has somebody done something to me that's caused me to lose my appetite and malice is in my heart it's a dead ringer that it is. It is. You've suffered divorces. you buried loved ones. You've had things that happen to you that absolutely that has kept a bitter and a harsh spirit in your heart. But watch this. All it's doing is just hurting yourself. And when a preacher wants to talk about this, immediately this thing comes up about forgiving people and you want to walk out the door or, or something. Listen, don't walk away. Walk towards Christ. Don't run away. Run to Him. Because if you don't get malice out of your heart, 
it'll fill you up. Matter of fact, the last word for malice is called hateful. Hateful. In the English, it says this, hate-filled. Full of hate. And when you're full of hate, there's no room for the love of God. So, if we come to this service, which we do on a regular basis, we need the spiritual milk of God's Word to help us grow up in our salvation. But malice can be a killer of our appetite. My grandchildren, as a case of what we're going to go, but we took the two grandchildren yesterday to Dairy Queen. They wanted to get something to eat. And, and so they said, yeah, we want a hamburger. We want a french fry. So we bought it. And they sat there and looked at it and picked at it. Well, we found out later, 30 minutes before they came, they had donuts and pizza. Well, I didn't know that. See, it's amazing that God prepares us a banquet table every Sunday morning here. And the Bible says, taste and see that the Lord is good. But here's the deal. It's not the fact that the blessings of God is here. What did you have to eat before you come? We're all in this together. And malice, by what something is said or something is done, can be somewhere in the compartment of your heart that is a spoiler of your appetite for the things of God. We've got to get rid of it. So the next few weeks, I'll, I'll, I'll go slowly with you to help us because I want you to clean out your cabinets so you will crave the Word of God. So two twin brothers, identical age, now they're grown up. They're in their 30s. One lives in a cardboard box as an alcoholic on the corner of Reno and Lincoln in Oklahoma City. And one of them is the CEO of AT&T. Very successful. So they go into a psychologist and they both sit down together at the table. And the mediator looks at one and says, why is it? The boys begin to talk about their home, that they lived in a very abusive home and an alcoholic home. They never knew their mother and father not to be drunk or fighting. And so when the man looked at the first boy, he says, how did you turn out to be an abusive alcoholic? And he said, my mother and father was abusive and alcoholic. What did you expect? And he looked at the other brother and he said, why did you turn out to be so successful? And he said, my mother and father was abusive and alcoholics. What did you expect? You have a choice. And some of your mother and fathers didn't wear the parenting award. My children can agree to that. Some of you was raised in a step in a foster home and all these things, and, 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 and you can say, well, what did you expect? But some of you in the same condition said, because I lived that lifestyle, I had no other choice to be better than that. And I choose the second. In spite of my past, that's all it is. It's the place where I used to live, and I don't live there anymore. 
King Jesus lives in my heart. I've had the mind of God. I've got the mind of Christ. I have the Holy Spirit live within me. And whatever's happened in the past is in the past. And I've learned, number one, I've got to get malice out of my heart so I will crave the Word of God. It's true. Father, this morning we've learned a very valuable lesson that without the desiring of your word and the craving of your word in our life, whether it be one verse, one chapter, one book at a time, we just can't grow. We just can't grow and develop into the, to be the husband and wife that we need to be. And in spite and because of circumstances and events that's happened in our life, instead of forcing us and shoving us back to a place where we become that a victim, we're no longer victims. We're victors. The Word of God has been activated in our life. And the first thing that I have got to learn to do, if I want to have an appetite for your Word and for you, is I've got to get rid of this hate in my heart. I've got to get premeditated murder out of my mind. Some of you this morning, you're, you're meditating murder on someone even though you know you're not going to do it. Some of you dream about hurting someone, abusing someone, and, and maliciously doing something in your dreams. I'm telling you, you got to get that out of your mind. you got to quit it. So, Father, help us this morning to go through our cabinets. And if there's anything in our cabinets that would cause us to lose our appetite for your Son and His Word, Help us to get rid of that this morning. That we will long for your word. That we may grow up to be men and women of God that will honor you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Turn about two people and say, listen, that didn't hurt that bad. But next week it may sting a little bit. Yeah. Let's stand this morning. Give the Lord a praise offering if you would, please. Huh? Amen. knows that God loves you. So you can kind of, you know, God's kind of your health coach here. And God wants us to be successful. Communion servers, if you'll please come today, we're going to celebrate Holy Communion. This will be a wonderful opportunity for us to, for the next few moments, just to kind of go through our kitchen cabinets of our heart and just just ask ourselves. We don't have to. We don't have to discuss it with anybody. Just examine your own heart. What's causing me to lose my appetite? Four years ago, I used to file in here. I was first one here and last one out, and I carried a Bible, carried two pens in case one ran out of ink. I was so hungry for the Word of God, and now that if I'm here, fine. If I'm not, fine. What? What? What is going on? And we all know it's the preacher. Everybody knows that. And then it's the song director. And we... But I think the truth of the matter is this. Beyond being hateful, we can be full of ourselves. So, Father, this morning we just pour out ourselves. Forgive us of our sins. 
As David said, search me, O Lord, and see if there's anything within me that's not pleasing to you. So this morning, that's what we do through Holy Communion. We take the bread this morning. He blessed it and he said, this is my body broken for you. And every time you take this bread, it will remind you of me. He took the cup and he blessed it and he said, this is my blood that will be shed for the forgiveness of your sins. And as often as you take it, it will remind you of me. Father, we ask you for the next few weeks, help us to become more hungry for you and your word. In Jesus' name, amen.